You're welcome on in. Where to start? How to start? Or what even to start with? Over a week now since Kelly Harrington, Aidan Walsh and Team Ireland came home with not just at rich pickings of medals but a brand new glossy shine on Irish boxing that not only the world is starting to take note of but believe it or not Ireland as well Welcome indeed to a somewhat delayed fourth instalment of Olympic Dreams I'll get to explaining all that in a few minutes in this first section you're going to hear some familiar voices some familiar friends who are good enough and gracious enough to give their time and to answer the call. Anytime I've sent a message to Jimmy Halpin or to Neil Lochran or to Ushin Fagan or to any of the guests that you're going to hear over this season three, it's always a case of just just a line in the times. There's never any awkwardness or never any that. And for that, I'll be eternally grateful. But as I said, the three lads are back and you're going to hear intermittently here different different thoughts, I suppose, on, on how valuable this, these wins and these medals are going to be and how the performances and how, how the, the characteristics of these fighters, the normality, the everyday next-door neighbour sort of personality who is w- willing and available to all to talk to and has a kind word. There's no arrogance. There's no ego. There's none of that. Uh, it's refreshing and it's more than welcome. And we touch on that on a few more topics, as you will hear now. Hakuna Matata. Jimmy Halpin is a coach with over, I would say, 20, 30 years experience. He was, of course, 20 years more with St. Saviour's. He has experience of working with every level of fighter, whether it's brand new, just in the door, or all the way up to and including Olympic athletes like the great, late, great Darren Sutherland, Kelly Harrington herself. And he is, of course, currently coach to Emmett Brennan. He's given me a couple of names that he's earmarked that I'm, I'll keep very close to the vest. Needn't worry about that, Jimmy. I've promised that and I will never change, but they're, they're right here in front of me. I'll be watching and looking to see how they play out over the next few years. Of course, you're also going to hear from top sports journalist, renowned boxing expert with the Irish News in Belfast, Neil Lochran, who was with us in episode one as we looked ahead. He's now with us again just to look back and it's always fantastic to speak with Neil, learning from his experience, the fights that he's seen over the years and his right-hand man and every day in the everyday world as they go about his journalism and and his photographer and his, and his right-hand man, as I said, is the, is the great Huey Russell. And a fellow who hasn't been with us and it's been too long, if I'm being brutally honest, is I must add a link to the episode featuring Oshin and his story is incredible. Believe it or not, he didn't lace up the gloves first until he was 30 years of age. He went on to win, I believe, an Oklahoma state title, an American title, and then, of course, an Irish title. He was involved in fights of the year with the likes of Eddie Highland. An incredible, gutsy, hearty, honest, decent, genuine fighter. And he brings all those traits into being that sort of person too. He's one of the very nicest and the very best. And he's currently a boxing development officer, which is a great program. They go around to Dublin schools, during their PE classes for four-week blocks. He's going to tell us a little bit about that as well. Our gig is we've got five uh, boxing officers on our team and myself and uh, Michael Carruth, obviously everybody knows Michael, Ed Griffin from, from uh, Esca Boxing, Noel Borg from St. Mary's, who's Kenny's, Kenny's coach now at the moment, and Paul Quinn out of um, Glasnevin. We've, we've been in the job now about 10 years, really, really good talents coming, coming in through us. So it's, it's how you foster them, you know. How important and valuable will the last few weeks in terms of Irish boxing be when it comes to recruiting new and fresh talent at the very bottom level? So when, you, when you're looking at the likes of Kenny and, and even Kenny Taylor back in the day and a few of the other guys used to come around and if we were giving out prizes or medals or certificates, they'd come in and they'd, they'd join us. Basically tell, tell all the kids about boxing, all the, all the good stuff about boxing and the discipline it takes to, to do, the, do the job. And, and basically the life skills that can be taught through boxing. It's safe to say off the back of Rio and everything that went before, during and after, there was a little bit of a stigma. There was a little bit of a cloud left hanging over it. And the good name, the brilliant name of Irish boxing was somewhat tarnished and needing of a good polish, needing of a new coat of paint or whatever way you want to put on it. But what I'm getting at, Jimmy, is that the wins were fantastic. But what we saw very early on from a fella very close to your heart kind of set the tone, didn't it? He helped win the hearts and minds of the country that these are real people. 
that they've got emotions. They're not big, rough, rugged, rock and sock and robots. You've hit the nail on the head there. Absolutely. One, one, 100%. I was absolutely delighted and so proud of him because, and the unfortunate thing about him, and it's, it's been like that all his career. He's always had little niggly injuries here and there. He's never actually got a, a good run at it. If you understand what I'm saying? That the like of the preparation beforehand, you have to be 110% going over to the Olympic Games. And like, we all know now, like, with the cortisone injections in his elbows, on his shoulder, and then the lack of spartan and the, the inactivity that led up to it. What you'll see with them is you'll see heart, you'll see you'll see an effort. You know, you, you can always rely on him to give his best. You know, even if he boxes poor, it, it doesn't it doesn't matter. He he will have tried what he had on that night. Now the fact that they were six thousand miles away and that a lot of the fights were in the wee hours of the morning. It didn't seem to dampen any of the enthusiasm. The scenes we saw around Portland Road for Kelly's final were up there with Italia 90 celebrations after each match. And for those of you not old enough to remember that, along, of course, in 2000, I think, or 2002, when they came back from Saipan and Japan, again, scenes to be, to be remembered forever by generations. It was very special. It was heartwarming and it lifted a nation after something of a horrible 12 to 18 months. Their comeback as heroes, their normal everyday life as they know it and as we would know it, it's changed for now and possibly forever. How difficult will that be and will, how will it affect them? Everybody knows Kelly now and she's, she's such a, such a, a great character that uh, people kind of want to know more about her and it's a, it's a brilliant thing, a brilliant thing for us. Hopefully now she, she won't be get she won't get too big for her boots and she won't come around with us anymore. <laughs> but I, I wouldn't, I, I'd never think that about Kelly because she's, uh, she's just one of the people. The like Emmett, he came back training the other night. You know, he just says, I just want to stretch out and, you know, like he's had to come back down to where like fairly quickly. Kelly is more in the spotlight. It's going to be difficult for her to settle back in. She's going to be under a lot of pressure in terms of people looking for an interviews offer and, and doing this. It's going to, it's going to disrupt her, her normal routine. When the rest of the kids see the likes of Emmett coming through the door with the shoulder, that, that must be just like, that's probably the best lesson without ever saying anything. Yeah, oh, absolutely. You know, it, and like, we took a couple of group photographs and all that. But there, Emma, Emma had been talking to me earlier, earlier this evening, and he says, I'll see you in the morning. So we're back in the gym again tomorrow with Emmett and that, you know. So he's back, he's, he just wants to get back to normal. Just before I wrap this little piece up, lads, uh, Oshin, from your point of view, how easy is it to spot when somebody is keen or somebody is interested? And indeed, if someone has a, a talent or a flair for boxing, and then when you spot that, how do you nourish it? Or fan the flame, so to speak. My my area is is fingers and body moon uh, and sanctuary and glass and heaven. So if I go into a into a school in in, in body moon, I usually have a a class of kids. Obviously, not everybody is into boxing, and I stress that not everybody's into boxing. So, but just to just to to go along with it for for the for the short time that they're there, and they might they might uh, find something that they're very interested in, you know. However, uh, you'll see the the one the ones who aren't interested in will will just kind of make do and, and, and do kind of do what they're told but they won't put in the effort you know but you can see that the heart of, of, of some of the kids who really feel that boxing is from for them you have your football and your guy and your guy and your hurling and stuff like that and they're team games and in, in the team games you can there's times where you mightn't be feeling feeling great someday, but you you've got your your pals to kind of to give you a bit of a g up, you know. But in boxing, it's it's down to yourself, you know. And and a lot of the time, people who are who are uh, who excel at boxing are a lot more kind of insular. They're kind of into themselves a little bit more. I don't mean that in a in a negative way. And from your own point of view, do you think if that sort of system was in place when you were in school or in those early days, do you think it would have made much of a difference to your own career? Oh, absolutely, yeah, for sure. I am. I, um, I always. That's maybe maybe one regret that I didn't take it up uh, earlier. Like obviously, I was thirty when I when I started. Uh, boxing as uh, like seriously, and uh, if like so, I was twenty years behind after everybody else. So I was saying like I, I won an Irish title and I won an American title uh, 
fought a few world champions, but like I'm, I'm thinking with a 20, 20 years more experience, I could have been a world champion at yeah. some stage. Maybe, maybe, maybe not. But I know I had the heart to do it. The program that we we do as Starbucks because. Is, is the force of its kind in Ireland so now I know we're going about 10 or 11 years now which is fantastic but uh, I was just thinking to myself that if we had this growing up in, in schools if I had this growing grow up in schools maybe I would have just went straight into boxing rather, rather than, than than the football Frightening to think what you did lacing up the gloves at the, at the age of 30 what you managed to achieve you would have given Julio Cesar Chavez a whole lot more reasons to hold his head in his hands if you'd have started when you were 10 Yeah like it's a little piece of that video where you can see somebody asked his dad what do you think and he just shrugged his shoulders <laughs> and he was, he was shitting himself he was and Jimmy, it's vital now that they get the doors of the gyms open, they get the kids back, to get everybody back and to harness this enthusiasm and this swell of support and interest in the sport. For you, at that grassroots level, when a kid comes through the door that first or second night, what is it that you're looking for? Is it easy to spot? Can you spot it? Not saying that you're going to predict a future Olympian or anything else, but can you see that, OK, we've got something here? And what is it that you could see? We're training and... and the club is open. We're allowed to train. You're allowed to train your own boxers. Five new girls came down to the club looking to join because they want to be Kelly Harrington. <laughs> so, what, what, yeah, we're getting that kind of impact. What I've always said to our boxers and to coaches, when I'm dealing with coaches, the most important thing, what you look for in a boxer is you look at their feet first. Yeah. You know, you look at their balance. Then you walk from, you walk from the flower up. I walk from balance first. And then when I get the balance right, then the punch and anybody can throw a punch. But if, if you're out of range or you can't move or you can't, you need to, you need to have that evasive skills, offensive, defensive, all that sort of stuff. On the technical end of things, I always look, I'll always look at a child moving around. And the, and if, if I see them moving really well on their feet, I'll say, you can make something out of this kid, yeah. you know. Neil, we spoke in the lead up to these games about the previous games about previous greats and about the reliability of boxing over the years to bring home medals for Ireland all the time, almost all the time. Rightly or wrongly, many of boxing's detractors were given, well, they were given plenty of ammunition to fling about the place after Rio. So we really did need a good performances. We needed good showings. We needed boxing to be represented well and just to show that Rio really wasn't a true reflection of what Irish boxing was all about. Do you think it's safe to say now that mission accomplished? I think so. I think um, whenever you and I spoke, it was the day that the draw had been made. And I would say that expectations then, I I would say that what we've come home with, a gold and a bronze, I'd say expectations, you know, have probably been met and, and and probably on the upper end of the scale, and you know because of the, the tough draw that Irish boxers got, um. But that's only that's only looking at it, you know, and quantifying, I suppose, what happened in Tokyo in terms of medals. And I think that there's a lot more. To me, there was a lot more to take from it than just you know what you what you return home with. Like it was brilliant, brilliant to get that that gold. And Kelly's story was really one of the stories of the game certainly was from an Irish perspective and it was fantastic to see her go all the way but I just thought the performance level of all the Irish boxers was was really really good um, and that, that gave me a lot of heart Excellent point because the only thing the only thing you can hope for when you go to the Olympics in boxing and it's it's at that you're, you can't even hope it, it's for a favourable draw a kind draw maybe avoid a world champion or a top seed at the upper echelons of the seedings in that opening round. Give yourself a chance to acclimatise, get yourself, get your foot in the door, get a win under your belt and then go from there. But some of the draws were, it it beggared belief at times. Not that there was anything underhanded or anything about it, but we were on the back foot almost straight away. But uh, what turned out to be one of the themes of the games for Irish boxing was then margins, the finest, the slenderest of margins. It, some of the wins came at, at just so fine a point. And then some of the losses, again, were even finer. So there's lots to work on. Nobody was humiliated. Nobody was knocked out. Nobody was absolutely outscored out the gate. So there's, it's, it's all positive, really, isn't it? 
there's no getting away from it. Like when the draw was made, you were just going, "No, my God, that is awful." Like, but whenever you look back at it now, you know Brendan Irving lost to the eventual um, silver medalist. Um, Kurt Walker lost to an eventual silver medalist. I think um, you know so and. And you know, and he beat the world number one along the way. Um, Michaela Walsh lost the bronze, you know, the eventual bronze medalist. Just got a horrendous draw there. Really, um, you, you would really look at it and say that probably the two the two guys who ended up with medals are the only ones who who got slightly kind draws. Now that the dust has settled, the medals are in the bank. The celebrations are probably still going on in some places. For a lot of fellas like Aiden and that, they're they're in their caravan, they're chilling out, they're just. They're they're getting some much earned rest and recuperation, but when you look at the games as a whole from a boxing standpoint, stripped away all the murky shady dealings, all the treacherous horrible results, all the robberies and all the crooked bad officials, all gone, and boxing for the most part, there were some razor thin decisions, but for the most part, even the razor thin ones that you come out the wrong side of you, you kind of you know, um. With all that skullduggery gone, are we now getting to see exactly what's good and great and beautiful about amateur boxing? And did we see it at its best? Well, look again. That that was one of the one of the stories of the games for me. I remember I remember flying back from Rio five years ago, and I remember like sitting on the plane and just thinking, "What a shit show that was from start to finish." You know, the whole thing. You know, and not even just from an Irish perspective. Um. Obviously, from an Irish perspective, you had Michael O'Reilly, the Michael Conlon situation, Paddy Barnes losing. Her. You know, you, there were so so many stories from an Irish perspective, but you were just looking at it from a general like the, the judging was awful. I remember even because I was keeping an eye on on Billy Welsh yeah. out there and some of his, like I remember going to some of the Americans um, fights and definitely they had two or three who were on the receiving end of what I thought were were really bad decisions. Now maybe maybe not uproarious decisions in the way that Michael Collins was, but definitely bad. And I really think that, that that shook a lot of people's faith in in amateur boxing. Not not that like a lot of people wouldn't have had much faith in amateur boxing judging, probably. There were, you know, you hear and you'll 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 still always hear those stories going up and you know, out of every championships that you go to, there's always, you know, oh, well our our boy should have got it and he didn't and so on. The thing about it is, if a fight is close, I don't think you can argue with um, with the decision. And I think for a lot of those, for a lot of the um, the ones that I watched, there was very, very few you could have really picked holes in the decision. You know, uh, the Kurt Walker one, I suppose, and Duke to Gregan. A lot of people, you know, made it, Kurt won two rounds to one. It was just a, a quirk of the judging, really, the way it worked out that he, en- he ended up losing in the end. But again, in, on the balance of a fight, could you really argue with the final outcome? I watched quite a lot of the English boxers and, and American boxers and stuff, and, and really, there, there were no stinkers that I, if there were, I didn't see them. And I just, I thought, I thought the standard was just really, really, I thought the standard was really high and the yeah. standard judging was really high. I just thought it was, a, I thought it was a great games. Can we maintain that? Is there a danger that they hand it back to Aiba and it goes back? I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be rushing to hand it back to Aiba. No. Um, you know, on, on the basis of, uh, and it's, it's a difficult one because obviously, you're, you know, you're looking at a, a world championships um, later this year. I think it's October uh, in Poland. And obviously that's going to be an Aiba competition. Aiba have to be looking at at what has happened yeah. over the summer and seeing the goodwill. I suppose now, again, how much how much notice that Aiba takes of what um, the general world opinion is of boxing. You you sometimes wonder because they haven't really helped themselves in terms of um, improving the reputation of the sport over time. If anything, they've done nothing but hinder it. Uh, so, they, I think there's still a huge amount of work for Aiba to do before you would be entrusting them. I've never been a huge fan of cliches and I definitely don't believe in perfection. I don't believe it exists. But I found Kelly's final, I found myself kind of at odds with myself, contradicting myself, disbelief, not sure what I was seeing, but still not believing what I was seeing. Um, Does if that makes sense. What, what did you make of it all yourself? And where would you say it stands? I mean, it's ironic we spoke in the build-up to the games about previous greats like uh, Jim McCourt and uh, Soxbourne and people like that. 
what would you imagine their reaction would be um, once to get over the fact that uh, there's girls boxing in the first place? But and I say that tongue in cheek. I, I honestly, I just, I almost couldn't believe what I was watching. Um, but then, but then, you know, you'd sort of detach yourself from from reality a while after and go like, well, that that's exactly how. It, it was just the um, her intelligence, um, her ring IQ, just all the experience that she has gathered. It was just the perfect culmination of everything that Kelly Harrington has put into boxing. I think, um, and it, I wouldn't even just say in the, even in the final performance, in the semi-final performance too, I thought she was outstanding. Um, now, in the final, the first ninety seconds. I would say they expected that, but it's still it's okay expecting it. And then, but whenever you get hit by that, um, and and she's coming at you full force, um, and it would be very easy to panic in those moments. And I just thought the way that Kelly handled it to kind of reassert a bit of control towards the end of the first round, second round. Um, and I've heard people say that they thought you know the second round could have you know I think it was actually. Um, the Brazilian girl's father, who, who was saying, you know, that that the second round was a clear round, and I, I just don't, I don't see that. I thought, I thought that was amazing the way that she, you know, she she clawed back the initiative in the in the and then the third round was so close. It was just not, you know, it was, it was so so close. And again, when when you're waiting on the on the judges to call, you're nearly conditioned as an Irish boxing fan to expect the worst. It's up there with it's up there with Michael Carruth's performance. Um it's uh, in the final, it's up there with you know actually probably quite a few similarities in some ways with, with Katie Taylor's final and how close it was. Now a different different style obviously and Sophie Ochigava was a completely different fighter um than than Kelly faced. Um you know, long, tall counter puncher. But uh Whenever you think back to you know kind of the best Olympic performances, and that's what I'm saying, even like Kurt's Kurt's performance in beating the number one seed, his weight ordinarily would be like the standout performance probably of of, of an Irish team coming back home, but it wasn't because of what Kelly went, Kelly went on to achieve, and what like that, that honestly, and I, again I, I go back to the semi final again because I remember watching Kelly fighting um, that girl in the in the 2018 World Championship final. And it was like a carbon copy. It was such a like a chess match, and just the way that she was able to maneuver the pieces in her favour uh, along along the way, just blew me away. It blew me away then, and it blew me away this time around again. And I think the manner in which um, she wrestled the, the that one back in the final, uh, you know, it's it's right up there with anything, you know, with any performance that probably any Irish boxer has has put in at, at, at Olympic Games. Aidan Walsh probably got a you know. And, and and he more than deserved it in his first you know his first Olympic games, but to get um to get the draw that he did was a great way to be able to build into it, especially with the, with the bye, and then Kelly as well, you know, starting off against the Italian girl, you know, and then into the Algerian girl, you know, it, it was a way a good way for her to build into it. Whereas Michaela was put straight into the fire really yeah. uh, against Irma Testa and. And for you know, but even Emmett Brennan, and the, you know, I, I I really was so impressed with him. His I was so impressed with his performance in the qualifiers, and against um, the Uzbek, like he just was, he, he just kept on coming, kept on going, took yeah. some big shots. Just, uh, you know, that's that's what encouraged me more than anything. Al was just the standard of the of the overall performance. Uh, I think that's what really was that was the feel good for me coming away from it. Just before we round this out, Neil. One of the things that really boils my frog over the years was the uh, lacklustre and poor um, promotion and or presentation of the working man sport, boxing, by the national broadcaster, RTE. Credit where it's due. They ditched all that went before and brought in Ken Egan, Eric, for my mind. They lit the place up. What did you make of all that? I have lots of friends who aren't remotely interested in amateur boxing. Plenty who aren't interested in pro boxing either, and a lot of them were like texting me through and going like, "Who, who the hell are these two guys talking about the boxing?" Yeah. And and to be to, to be fair, it wasn't even just it wasn't even just um, those two guys. I think it applied 
across quite a lot of sports. Like David Gillick came in for a, a lot of praise. Um, the, the the team who were covering the Rowan um, and the different events, just in terms of breaking it down, breaking them down. I just thought RTE got it spot on this time. They really, really did. I thought they nailed it across the board. And it was fantastic for boxing to have two guys like that. Um, everybody knows how good a speaker Eric is. Like he's he's as easily as good with his mouth as he is with his fists, and, <laughs> and all and always always has been. And Ken, Ken as well, you know, with the you know he's been there, done it, got the medal to show for it. Uh, and the two guys obviously know each other well. Having I think obviously Kenny was was um, corner man for Eric for a time and stuff. And it, it, I just thought that without overcomplicating it. They were like they were able to really give people an insight into into what was going on without without just reverting to cliches, which is probably what we expect. Um, you know, you could tell that Eric, in particular, had had done res- a lot of research on the the different styles of the, the boxers who the Irish fighters were going to be going in against, um, what maybe the strengths uh, the Irish boxers were bringing in that could counter that, and just putting it in in plain and simple terms uh, and I, I really thought that, that was a big a big plus and I think it's something that really RTE and Irish Boxing should be trying to build on now you know we've got the Irish seniors have been announced for next month uh, the 17th of September I think they, they get underway at the stadium and I know that they're going to be shown on or I know that the finals are going to be shown on, on TG Cahar over, over a couple of nights I would really love to see RTE getting involved there and maybe again you know, having the having the two lads involved and just introducing probably what's going to be the next generation. Top class performance made in Welch, and I tell you, he's only going to go from strength to strength from here because in the his last two performances, he's getting better. Aiden Walsh, he's as awkward as Very a bag full of co-hangers. Oh, Peter, what a display! I'm so happy and so <laughs> so proud of her. Like we talk about how much judging now at the moment after the controversy of Rio has to be on point. It's supposed to be two cautions and then the third one is a warning. Just a side note, the last time an Irish and Irish man fought in a semi-final, <laughs> the Irish man came out on top. Of course, that was me. Finally, she found her measure. She found her distance and the target she found at will. I thought she won the second round myself and probably didn't do enough on the third, but... Carried it out to a yeah. T. Oh, what a day. <laughs> oh, it looks like so... <laughs> I'm like a walrus. To go out there and execute herself, she's the one that has to do the work. She's just getting instructions, but she has to put it into play. And for her to do that on the biggest stage of all. I don't know about you, but every time this podcaster listens or watches Braveheart or listens to that music, you're getting chicken skin all over the place. It's just sensational. I want to thank Neil Ushin and Jimmy for their time and for their thoughts and their input it's always great to get a little bit of a variety because this voice here gets quite boring i'm sure in your earbuds so if you have any ideas suggestions anything you think i could or should or would be doing hit me up get in touch working on getting a new text line number also the email is enswellpod at protonmail.com and any of the social media platform watch out for the content coming on youtube channel as well all the links you're going to find in the notes below gentlemen. You know, there's many opinions out there on <laughs> on everything lately, but uh, there's many opinions indeed around the country about the high-performance unit, whether it benefits boxing as a whole or whether it's just the elite few. Whatever the case may be, wherever you stand in that and wherever your thoughts and opinions are, that's fine. But when it comes to the experience of being there at the very, very early stages of this system, when it comes to competing nationally internationally and winning at the very top level by top level I mean world youth championship gold medal European championship gold medal national titles and gone on to have a somewhat of a stop start pro career but there's life in that dog yet who am I talking about it's Mayo's finest it's Ray Moylet and I chatted to Ray a couple of weeks ago now about his experience of being there right at the very beginning of the high performance setup on where the Olympics sits in terms of pecking order for Irish boxers and for boxers in general at the amateur level all around the world. 
people that are around long enough will, will remember Ray Moyle. It's fair to say you were one of the, the shining lights of, of those early years in the high performance unit. You came along behind Kenny and them lads. So I landed on the scene for real, you know. That's when I first ran. You won the World Youth in Guadalajara, the gold, and then you won the yeah. European in 2011. Could you ever have known or had any inclination that that performance, that unit and that system would perform the way it has and, and, and to produce what it's produced over the years? I'm constantly name-dropping. I was training with Michael Conlon, uh, Paddy Barnes, Kate Taylor, Kenny Egan, Eric Tunnelan. You know, I'm constantly name-dropping. Anyone that asks me about boxing, I'll say, oh, yes, I was training with them in the high performance, you know, for 10 years. That team uh, has been so successful. Amateur and professional, no matter what they went at, it was just like it was a winning machine that, w- that was built. I often hear the story Ken Egan and Eric Donovan do tell us about when they started, I think it was 2003, and they used to go out to tournaments and they used to be drinking and all that and they get hammered and it didn't, nothing ever mattered. And then by the time it just came around, I think it hit its peak or it, it started going very well in 2008. And that's sort of when I came onto the scene. So like, I came on to, like, let's say I came into it in the boom, you know, so I missed all the, the bad years. days, let's <laughs> say. Yeah, you know, the sloppy years at the very start. And then, let's say, for Rio in 16, that was a bit of a shit show as well. And I just left it mm-hmm. that year as well, you know, so I got in at the right time. It was a golden era. I mean, at Beijing was, was the stuff that dreams were made of and the build-up to it. Yeah. I think there was a, not just from a boxing standpoint, but we started to realise they're not just athletes, they're, they're people. I mean, there was some horrendous bad luck around that team as well, and, and it, it's well documented. But every single athlete, no matter how they are, and even now today, we look at Simone Biles and we look at all that stuff. That it, it's never changed. There's always the human side to mm, these. Absolutely, and it is human. Like that's the I know Jerry Hussey gave us a talk one time, as in when the round starts and all bets are off. You know, it's in any sport. Like sports is not a maths test. You know, there's no guaranteed answer. There's no structure anything is possible anything can change at any moment now if that name sounds familiar and you're saying to yourself where have i heard of jerry hussey before jerry was the sports psychologist for the high performance unit in those early days Looking at the Olympics, and it is a magical, just a magical aura around it for me, and it's a special competition because it, it, I suppose, it encapsulates at the heart of it all that's great about amateur sport. It's the be all and end all of amateur boxing, and no matter what anyone else tells you, it'll never be any different, or it never has been any different. It's the pinnacle of amateur boxing in Ireland. Now, I can't tell you about any other countries, but in Ireland, being an Olympian, a boxer is the highest honor you can get in the amateur sport. I know, prestige-wise, it is. But in terms of uh, everything as worlds, Europeans, the Olympics is the show. It's the one to get. It's the one to get. It's the one to be able to say the one you're at. It's the one that goes down in history. It's the one that everyone's looking for. Um, I was at three world championships and I would never even tell that to anyone. You know, three senior world championships, which is a good feat and it's on its own, you know. But I'd never even say that. Think about that for a minute. Not only was he at three world championships, but he won a gold medal at one of them. At a time in a generation where people seem to brag about the amount of likes they get on anti-social media or about views they get on a YouTube or a TikTok. And because he didn't get to his dream destination being the Olympics, he doesn't deem it worthy. If that doesn't help you put things in context. Would you say the epitome of high performance unit, it's to keep that foot on the pedal, it's to keep driving forward. It is to keep the foot on the pedal, but to have a bit of security that when the foot does come off the pedal, which it will uh, inevitably come off it, whether it could be today, it could be in 10 years time, the foot has to come off the pedal just to have the backup support or to have the training done, be able to go back into normal life. We lived in a bubble for 10 years. Everything was laid down for us. We got money every few months. We were we had no responsibility. We got fed. We got we got housed. We got everything, and nothing mattered. Only about tournaments and going to winning fights. We we could get into trouble, and it was it was you know there was nothing ever done about it. It was all about the boxing. Look after him. He's the boxer. Blah blah blah. We were shielded and protected and minded. And but then by the time we came out to step into the big bad world, we didn't have a clue what to do. As to balance it, yes, yes, yeah. That's that's the most important bit. If I could have any advice to anyone in that setup, I know it, it definitely has improved. Um, it has improved, but I think that's just to have um, a bit of diversity with it. How about that for an insight? 
And if you enjoyed that and you want to hear some more, first episode of season three will be that full interview with Ray that I did, as I said, about two weeks ago. And it gets, it's, it's brilliant. It's just as honest. It's frank. It's as off the cuff as Ray is. But don't take off the cuff as being ill informed or not caring or anything else. It's, it's absolutely, it, at one point in his life, it was everything. It was his all. It was his be all and his end all. And now, as life balances out a little bit, you'll hear in the interview. It's a fascinating interview. And thanks, Ray, again for your time. And apologies for the delay. I promised I'd explain all of that. And I will. Firstly, in between doing that interview, in between, I think, say two weeks ago, my little fella, who is 12, 11, 11, um, had a little bit of a fall in a friend's house on a Sunday evening, which seemed innocuous enough. Sore arm, not the Mae West, but pain, like his daddy. But um, got a little bit of ice on it, got a little bit, did, did what you can do, and hopefully just play the waiting game, see if the swelling goes down and everything else. Long story short, 1 o'clock, 1.30am in the morning, he was still crying with the pain. And did daddy feel like a proper... But wasn't 100% sure whether with COVID restrictions and everything else. Anyway, got all that sorted out, got him to the hospital. Turns out he has a two breaks in the wrist and got himself in a cast and the week before his birthday and all that. And then... To follow it all up, as if that wasn't bad luck enough. Exactly a week later after his party, I was just stood up to go to bed, got this absolute killing pain into my left hand side. And as I said, I am no <laughs> hero. I cannot stand pain. I'm no good with it at all. But this was pain like I've never felt before. I spent the night tossing, turning, getting up, getting back into bed, getting out of bed, lying on the floor, trying to stretch. I thought maybe I trapped a nerve or twinge a nerve or something. Again, long story short, ambulance called, 6.30am, gone to hospital, three to four kidney stones, and the pain is still here. So, as I said, apologies for the delay. It was intended to have this out a little bit sooner, but all things considered, I think we're doing well, and hopefully, I'm hoping, this old pain will be gone really soon. Just going to take a hot minute now to follow that up by speaking to some... Of our future stars, some names that you may recognise that have been on here a couple of times before and who are rising stars in the boxing world at different points and different stages of their career. Uh, Kyle Smith, of course, is the Holy Trinity fighter from Belfast. He's a serious, serious, seriously precocious talent who has amassed Irish titles, international fights, and is his, his star. It's a rising star, safe to say. And another young lady who joined me. I would say almost two years ago, just after Katie Taylor beat Christina Linderatu, she was and is a super fan of Katie Taylor. And her dad, Paul, had gotten in touch with me in the build-up to that fight, wanting to know was there any early information or heads up where it might be. Long story short, two years later, this young lady has now immersed herself in the boxing world and is making improvements, making ground at a lightning pace. And the thinking for this is, as I said in previous episode, the allure of the Olympics, the magic of the Olympics for me will always be there. For boxers, as Ray Moyle just told you there, it'll always be there. I wanted to try and gauge that with the current generation, the next crop, or maybe the crop after that, and see what appeal it held for them. It was alright. Obviously, we weren't in the boxing club, but I was still uh, still training away. My dad made a few things out in the garden and all, like good equipment and all, and then he, he's bought loads of things and all, uh, like spar bars and all. So I've been, uh, I've been training away like through the lockdown using all that equipment and I've been uh, doing my runs and all that just keeping fit and sharp I'm 15 so I am no matter what they're doing Davey that's a, that's a dangerous age it's a tricky age to, to keep us occupied I remember being that age and from a parental point of view is it any easier is it a whole lot easier but to have boxing there to keep them occupied to be honest Kyle's very focused I he has a good balance of friends and social life and boxing you know because He's very fit. You know, I've never had to tell him to go for a run. I've yeah. never had to tell Kyle to train. Although I enjoyed being off school for a good while. Always in contact with each other. And then uh, when we got back, I think the first night we got back to the club after lockdown, it was good to see all the lads' faces again. So it wasn't how big some people have gotten off. But it was good, so it was. to get back at it. There's some lads went from superfly to middleweight overnight almost. <laughs> I don't attach myself to campaigns. I don't attach myself to hashtags. But it's time to open these doors. It's time to if, if GAA clubs can get back, if county teams can get back, 
if all that can get back, it's time now to let the real stuff back, isn't it? 100%, yeah. Because there's bound to be people losing interest in all, and, and like you see all the professionals and all are back at the boxing, but we need to get the amateur boxing back on back on our own, so would they. Over the last few weeks, looking at the Olympics and looking at Brendies there from, from your area, and there's just so many more as well, would that kick you on a little bit, or what would your plans and hopes be for, for, for the future? It's, it's good to see the lads and ladies uh, going over and doing great great things over in Tokyo. So are like Aidan Walsh winning uh, a bronze medal, which is very good, because he boxes for Monkstown, which is about five minutes down the road from my house. So it is, but he's he's doing he's doing great things. So he is, and then unluckily for Kurt Walker, who didn't medal, but he's still done himself proud. Is it something that you would aspire to? Is it something that you would hope to do one day? Oh, think, yeah, it's, it's something I would love to do in the future. So we'd have loved to uh, go to the Olympics and hopefully win a win a medal or win a gold medal. It's my dream. Get your face up in that mural up in the wall. Yep, it's just it's crazy how time flies because they were doing it maybe 10 15 years before i was doing it and i'm like i'm in the same shoes they were and then in the next other few years we'll have other boxers doing the exact same thing so it's it's great to see and how time goes by and on and the boxers holy trinity are producing You've the benefit as well, of course, of another giant in Irish boxing world. There isn't another coach anywhere at the moment in Ireland that's done it, and there won't be for a long time. John Breen is a mentor to yourself. He gives you all the advice and guidance. It's just special, isn't it, to be able to listen to people like him? Especially the John, the, the, the experience he's had. He has trained multiple world champions and all, and I was actually down with the only session with John a few weeks back, so it was, and it was good to get back the same, because I think that was the first session I'd done with him after the lockdown there, so it was, but it was good to get back. So tell me, the last time we chatted, as we said, was two years ago. You were you were a fan back then, and uh, Dad was and Mom were just had to bring you to Manchester. I think Delindra to fight, and she'd learned a lesson from the pursuing fight. Thank God. And um, mm. so, what's changed in those times? You, you've gone from being a fan. It's changed a little bit, hasn't? Um, I started boxing, and started watching more fights in Ireland. Spain. How does that feel? I don't even know. I can't even remember. <laughs> Half the spares. And uh, how long are you boxing now, Abby? Um, I started the first week of September last year, so nearly a year. I just keep kept seeing Kay Taylor winning, and I decided I wanted to do it. I just loved it. Um, I started sparring this year, I think July or June. I can't remember. I think it was July. I was only a small bit nervous for it, but like I was really excited. I was just very excited for it. But then the day of it, I was getting kind of nervous, but. It's actually fun after um, I do loads of rooms and the bags and tan pads and all and go for runs. Yourself and, and, and your dad there. you done a bit of running there a while ago, didn't you? You did a 5k. <laughs> we done a hundred there for my granddad. It was good. We were over a hundred and we were in a hundred and twenty k in a month. How do you think granddad would be thinking now if he knew his, his, uh, his little woman that was out? Not only were you watching boxing and following boxing, but now you're in the middle of it and you're doing it yourself. What would he be thinking? I'd say he'd be proud. I've no doubt he'd be proud. No doubt at all, because he's a boxing fan, wasn't he? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Olympics just finished. Uh, what did you think? Did you watch it? Yeah, I watched all of it. Did you? And and what what was your favorite? Obviously, you love the boxing because you're you're now a boxer and you're a big boxing fan, yeah. which is. But did you watch any of the other sports? Yeah, I watched all like the running and all, and all the. Um, is it a hammer throw? Is that what it's called? Oh yeah. Um, that. Um, Kurt Walker and um, Aidan Welch they were very good in it I know this Olympics is a little bit different because it's a, it's a bit quieter and stuff like that It's what's, what would you like now in a few years time well first I want to go to the Olympics and like, I want like maybe in future I want to have a professional from your point of view Paul when, when it came to boxing um, how did you feel when she decided she wanted to do it Oh, I was delighted. I was delighted straight away because obviously I was showing her the Caden from a young age. Like so, when it actually happened, I waited a year to get her into St. Francis. Like I, wait, I was on a year's kind of waiting list. So when it happened, I was over the moon to be honest about it. Well, yeah, it was up to herself. I said, like you know, if she didn't want to do it. It was up to herself. I wasn't gonna force her. Like, but I said the main thing was when she starts barn, that will tell a tale. Like, because if if she gets hurt, she might say I don't want to get hurt. But no, she's after her rise into it. Like. It's unbelievable the way she's after coming on now, it's crazy. Like.
And there you have it. There's the impact of Katie Taylor, Kelly Harrington, and all of these fantastic Irish boxers who are representing what I see as a new era, a new dawn for Irish boxing. It's not going anywhere. It's only going to get better because when you see the talent and you're going to hear the names and hear the boxers over the next couple of episodes that are coming through at a rate of knots who are in... They've got itchy knuckles, as Kyle told you. They've been sitting around for long enough and they mean business. So it's it's fantastic. Before I wrap this episode up, I want to say thanks to Kyle. I want to say thanks to Paul and Abby. And I want to. Uh, I was was hoping to get uh, joyful Ella Thompson on as well, but just time conspired against us. Me being uh, not under the weather and herself being on holidays and stuff. But trust me, there'll be plenty of time for that in the next couple as well. I'm going to wrap this episode up with a tip of the hat to the lady of the hour, to who I believe right now in this moment in time in the current climate is the most perfect ambassador we could ever wish to have. Whether it's sport, whether it's whatever the case may be, socially, whatever. She can do it naturally, without spin, without fakery, without anything else that ends in early. So, Kelly Harrington, you're an absolute Irish legend. You deserve all the trappings. You deserve all the good things that come. Because let's face it, all the work and all the hardship and all the dedication and all the sacrifices that have gone into you reaching the absolute summit European gold medal world gold medal and now the Olympic gold medal and my memory I long way see I'm addicted to the sport because everybody has their ups and downs um, and I mean What's really is touching home right now for me is the support back at home with all of Ireland, not just my community, the whole of Ireland is absolutely lit. And I just feel absolutely on top of the world as one person to be able to do that for many, many people, for a little nation. I tell my dad's bawling his eyes out. My mum's probably sitting out in the garden listening to me dad. <laughs> but I say, I say he's he's red faced and red eyed. <laughs> it's stuff that people think of and dream of, you know. Like I thought of it. Like sometimes you never think you're going to actually get her and actually get a medal. Like to be boxing in an Olympic final, it's just kind of like to be honest with you it hasn't really hit home because it'll be the same as every other I'll just do pads and then we'll just uh, we'll get ready we'll prepare as normal I, I haven't been putting pressure on myself um, I've been taking it each each round at a time I've been enjoying it you know I actually like a lot of the time I'd be like what am I doing here how do I get here I've enjoyed this I really have uh, I've enjoyed every second of it I've enjoyed the coaches getting the tactics for me, me high performance coaches, my club coach now work. They work together, they don't work against each other, so together they make a perfect formula to go out there and win each fight. And it was, it was an unbelievable match. I mean, I, I said it was going to be a good one, but I didn't, I didn't realise how good it was going to be. I was like literally on the edge of my seat. And how, what was it about her tactics that meant that she came through that final round? Because from where we were sitting, it looked so even. We couldn't call it, could we? I don't know. She was just, she was moving really well around the outside of the ring, counter-punching really well, stood her ground when she needed to against a very strong, powerful punching boxer. And she just, she just stuck to the tactics and, and did it well. I was, I was really, really impressed. It was very, it was very close. It was so close. But I'm just so happy for her. Like, I've, I've known her so many years. And you finished with a gold medal. Well, how did you sum that all up for us? I can't sum it up, I just, like, I've just been going with the flow. I was talking with Emma, and he says, I just cannot believe, he says, the support that we got, the like of that, you know, the like of that, that the homecoming was, it, it, it was, it was, it was such a special moment for, for both of them, for Kelly and for Emma, and she, she insisted. 
that he gets on the bus with her, you know, the kind of way. That was really nice, you know. It, it was great to see. And if it was the other way around, it'd be the exact same. That's what we could Oh, absolutely, 100%. If, if you're listening, uh, it's it's happened again. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard to count. It's hard to quantify. It's hard to. It's hard not for that emotion to be to be spilling out when you see it, you hear it, you feel it, and you know it's real. I want to take this moment to say thank you to all the boxers that represented us over the last few weeks for giving us the moments, for getting us up early in the morning, but for making every bloody minute of it worthwhile. It's the last in episode in the. Olympic Dreams series. I want to thank all the coaches, all the boxers, all the everybody who took part from episode one through to four for giving me some time over the couple of weeks. I know, I'm sure, the doors are beaten off the hinges with people looking for uh, some time. For Neil, of course, for your your expert analysis and insight, always, always a pleasure. That's about it for me and them until then. That haunting, phenomenal voice you hear behind me. Nace man, Dan McCabe. Link for his stuff is in the notes below. Get on it. Season 3 is about to drop over the next couple of days. We're going to have Eamon Locker, former middleweight world champion. We're going to have Ray Moylet. We're going to have Carol Greaves to talk about the new Sky promotion team and a whole lot more. So once again, if I could ask you just to please take the time to share this episode, pass the word around. And remember, no matter what else happens over the next couple of days and weeks, all's well that ends well. (laughs) 